Well, thank you for that warm reception. I was a little worried that I might get, oh, you're back. That's beautiful. Thank you so, so very much. I want you to know that I really appreciate the, the staff and everything they did during my extended absence. I really appreciate the elders for allowing me to have some extended absence. And it was, it was very productive. It was very restful and, and accomplished all the things that, that I'd hoped to do and that the Lord uh, challenged me to do. And so, so, again, but it is great to be back with you because I love you. Well, we're going to take up another summer short this morning, and uh, we have to know our, our summer shorts are getting shorter, aren't they? Not the length of the shorts that we wear outside here in South Florida, but our series. If you're a guest today, all summer long we've been doing these summer shorts, and what basically is, is instead of a series where you got to be here every week to keep up with it, we decided during the summer, knowing that our church family was going to be in and out on vacation, to do one week standalone messages so that you didn't have to worry about what you missed or what you got to catch up with. So that's what summer shorts is all about, and we're going to do another one of them today. This morning in our summer short, I want to give every one of us here who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have trusted him as our Savior, I want to give us a biblical challenge. And that challenge is light up your world. Light up your world. Now I want you to know, this isn't just some kind of a creative or clever sermon title today. This is actually a commandment from Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. You know, in other places, the Bible says God is light. Now, when you sew those two ideas together, what the Bible teaches us is that God is light, and God wants the light of his love and his forgiveness and his patience and his mercy to shine into this dark world. And the way he does it in our day and age is to allow that light to shine from you and me. See, we are to be the light of God with some flesh on it. We are to shine his light into this dark world that we live now understand, this command has both an institutional and an individual application. Institutionally, the church, we the church, here Florida Bible Church in this case, is to be the light of God in South Florida and around the world through our missionary efforts. But listen to me, you are to be the light of God in your world. See, God has strategically placed you in a world that only you can impact. Now, some of our worlds will interact and they'll link together and they'll meet each other, but individually speaking, every one of us have a world that God has put us in and he needs us to light up that world with his light. There are people that only you will know there are people that God will have you cross their life path and no one else at Florida Bible Church will do it. There are people that you have impacted in your family, at work, at school, in your neighborhoods. And God wants you to light up your world. We have to admit the world needs to be lit up, doesn't it? We are living in a troubled culture at a troubled time in a troubled world. You know, and psychologists and sociologists and mental health professionals are in agreement over this. 
that the culture that we're living is becoming more hostile day by day. It's a very unfriendly culture. It's a very mean-spirited, very abusive culture that we're living in. And we see it all the time, don't we? I, I was at the mall just the other day, and, and, and I was walking out, and, and, and a, a car pulled up to the side of the curb to pick somebody up, and, and no sooner had they stopped. I mean, the car just came to a halt. A car came up behind them and started blowing the horn. And we see that kind of thing all the time. It's a very mean-spirited world. Now, a professor at the University of Michigan thinks he may have discovered what is at the root of all this increased meanness. Brad Bushman says this, narcissism is on the rise in America. Now, what is narcissism? Narcissism is an inordinate love of self. It is when I'm putting myself and my needs and my desires above everybody around me. It is egocentrism. It is mean that, that I will interact with you only if I think you can benefit where I want to go and who I want to be. And if you can do that, then I'm going to interact with you because you can get me where I want to go. Now, the minute I think that that's no longer true in our relationship, then I don't really care what happens to you. Because I'm going to go over here and I'm going to find someone else who maybe can have an influence in my life in a positive way. And anyhow, the world in a narcissist mind revolves around them. And that's what America is. Now, he says it's particularly true in young people, particularly striking in young people. I don't know that I agree with that. I think the fact that he's a professor, so who's he around all week long? He's around young people. And so he sees their behavior more. But I see this same kind of behavior among adults. He says this then, there's something in the culture that seems to feed these narcissistic tendencies. Oh, do you think? Remember our Collide series? We identified the culture that we're living in and that we're trying to survive in and we're trying to be the light of God in. Postmodernism is the culture of the day. It's the philosophy of the day. And postmodernism declares that there is no absolute truth. Because there's no absolute truth, there's no absolute moral values. There's no absolute values of life. There's no right and wrong. As long as you're not breaking the law, a civil law, as long as you're not physically harming anyone, postmodernism live life the way you want to live it. Do what you want to do. Embrace the values that are good for you. It's all about me, 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 me. And we wonder why we're becoming narcissistic because that's exactly what the culture is trying to breed. Now, he goes on to say, Bushman tested thousands of students and consistently found that the most narcissistic ones are the most vindictive, look what it says, if they don't get the praise and admiration they feel they deserve. In other words, what he has seen, the link in all of this increasing hostility and in the increasing insensitivity of people to each other, in the meanness of speech and the condescending attitudes, he said one of the things that he has discovered that is key in the equation is the fact that people are not receiving enough positive reinforcement. All they're getting is from other narcissists' condemnation and manipulation. And people aren't getting encouraged. There's no one building their self-esteem. And because that's not happening, they become increasingly unhappy and they begin to vent that unhappiness on other people. Into that kind of world, 
God says, light up your world. Pastor in California, John MacArthur, says this, by its nature and definition, light must be visible in order to illuminate. In other words, light can't be hidden under a cover. It's got to be open. It's got to be visible in order to cast any light. Christians must be more than the largely indirect influence of salt. We just sang about it. The Bible says we're salt and light in the world. But salt, as we know, kind of blends in with our food. We put salt on our food and we don't see it because it just kind of blends in. Unless you take the top off and you pour the whole thing on it, then you're probably going to see some salt. But otherwise, it's intended to blend in with other spices and blend in with the food. And we have that obligation as, as believers and that opportunity as believers to blend in with life and have an indirect influence. But we also must be the direct and noticeable instruments of light. In this world of hostility, in this world of insensitivity, in this world of increasing verbal abuse and condensation, and belittling people, we need to be a physical light presence, casting the light of Jesus Christ into the lives of these unhappy people. With that in mind, again, the challenge today is light up your world, the world that God has strategically placed you in. Now, there's a lot of different forms of light that the world needs. They need the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. They also need the, the light of, of, of service and community service and reaching out and helping them who are in hard times to, to come through those hard times. And There's all kinds of light, but the light that we're going to focus on today is linked to what we just talked about, this lack of positive reinforcement in our culture today. The Bible gives us a formula that we can use in order to light up our world. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Within this one verse in the Bible, God gives us both the mandate and the formula by which we can be a positive presence in this dark world. What I want to do for the time we have remaining today is to dissect this passage so that every one of us can leave here today fully equipped to light up our world. Notice, first of all, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, the Greek word in the original text that is translated unwholesome is the word sapros. Sapros means literally decaying, rotten, stinking garbage. That's what sapros means. So what the verse says is do not let any decaying, stinking, rotten garbage come out of your mouth. Now, notice that it does say minimize the stinking, rotten, decaying garbage that comes out of your mouth. It says don't let any come out of your mouth. Now, there's a lot of rotten, stinking garbage that comes out of our mouths, isn't there? there there's the, the garbage of profanity. You know, we, we, we come here in church and we play the church thing, we go to work and we're right there along with every other sailor, every other Marine. <laughs> I was one too. There's the garbage of filthy jokes and stories that get passed around, being part of that. There's the garbage of gossip, of speaking 
illy about people and spreading rumors about people or even spreading factual things about people that demean them and that assassinate their character. And then in our specific use of it today, there is speaking to people in a very hostile, condescending, destructive, hurtful way. God's word says, don't let that come out of your mouth. Now, that ought to be fairly obvious to believers, right? But yet, the Bible says it's not so obvious, and it's commonly not practiced. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, with the tongue we praise the Lord and Father. We did that today. We sang praises, and all the energy and the praise was so exciting today. But it says, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Look what he says. He says, brothers, notice again, we are not speaking to the world at large. We are speaking to believers in Jesus Christ, the family of God. He says, brothers, sisters, this should not be. We've all heard the expression when we went to school and we learned very early that this is a hostile world, doesn't we? On the playground where kids would make fun of us and they would call us names. We would come home and we would be hurt and maybe even sometimes crying and our loving moms would gather us in their arms and they would say, now I want you to remember this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, finish it with me, but names will never hurt me. Now, sometimes that gave us some, some immediate relief, but the problem is it's not true. It wasn't true as a child, and it's not true as an adult. In fact, words can hurt a lot. Isn't this a horrible picture? Sonia came into my office, and she looked over my shoulder at my computer, and she said, you're not going to use that, are you? That's horrible. And it is. But it's accurate. Do you know that a word offered in anger, a word offered with the intention of hurting the other person, do you know that it can be just as damaging and maybe even more damaging than a blow to the face with a clenched fist, as is in the picture of the woman Head snapping back, eyes writhing in pain. That's the world that we're living in. People every day, at work, at home, at school, one punch to the face after another with words that sting and words that hurt and words that destroy their self-esteem, words that tear away at their confidence and their purpose and their joy of life. I love this adage, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. And right now, You're sitting there and you're recalling words that have hurt you so deeply that they're still a very active part of your life. And even those words today, maybe after many months, many weeks, many days, many years, are like a punch in the face. 
as believers in Jesus Christ who are empowered with the light of God's love and protection and mercy. We are not to let any rotten, stinking, hurtful garbage come out of our mouths. It goes on to say, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up. Look what it says, building others up. Do you see how our faith and our purpose in life runs counter to narcissism, to the culture of our day? It's not about us, but it's about others. Now, we're tempted to say, well, you know, can't I just be salt and and not participate in the meanness out there? Another thing our moms used to say to us is, if you don't have something nice to say about someone, don't say anything at all. And we say as Christians, can't we just do that? No. Because we are commanded, we are charged by the Lord to be active light in our worlds. It says, but only what is helpful for building others up. Now, does that mean, Pastor Pete, that we should just be a bunch of mamsy-pamsy fairy Christians going around, sugar and spice and everything nice? No, because there's times when we have to reconcile things, aren't there? And there's times when we have to confront issues, aren't there? But here's the difference. Instead of doing that in an attacking, condescending, hurtful way, we as believers approach those situations and those people with the intent of building, not tearing down. See, I'm going to talk to someone, but I'm going to speak with them with respect. And I'm going to seek a solution to the conflict that is mutually, emotionally acceptable to us both. And when they leave our conversation, they're not going to be beaten down. They're not going to be hurting. They're not going to be destroyed. They're going to say, that was good. That was right. Can you imagine how the world will begin to change if the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ begins to embrace this biblical mandate, this biblical charge to be light in our worlds. And instead of joining the party and tearing down, we instead are conscious and determined to build up. James also says in his epistle, let every man be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. Yes, we're going to face situations where we want to just go off, but it's not our place. It's not our challenge by God. We're to go the opposite way. We're to be slow to speak and not say what's on the top of our mind, what's the top of our tongue, and tip of our tongue, what we want to say right now. We're to be quick to listen. We're to be quick to say, why is this person responding this way? What might be happening in this person's life? What circumstances may they have faced today? And we're not going to be provoked because we are instruments of healing. 
look what it also says, according to their needs. That says that we are to enter into a personal relationship of building up, a personal relation of helping people to have a healing environment. That means we got to know them. Now, with our families, we often know what their needs are. We know the hard times they're going with, and we know where we should encourage them and try to help build their self-esteem. With our friends, we may know that. With even brothers and sisters here at church, if we're interacting and doing what we're supposed to do and being a friend, one of our core values, then we're, we're reaching out to each other. But how about our enemies? How about those who aren't responding to us with love? What are their needs? Why are they that way? And what can we do to help encourage them and to possibly, over time, be a presence that brings them to a new place. Let me even encourage you to build relationships with those that God allows you to cross life paths with who are on the fringe of your relationship circle. People like the waiter and the waitress in the restaurant. You know, when they come and wait on you, actually notice their name tag and memorize their name instead of Marsha, Chad, thank you for filling my, my cook. Thanks for getting me another. Tell me what the special is. Encourage them. Do you know how many times a day a waiter or a waitress is attacked by a customer who is dissatisfied? And we, as a Christ follower, may be the only customer that comes and sits at one of their tables that will offer them a word of encouragement and a word of support. The garbage collector, the hairstylist, the gas station attendant. I've, I've really tried to practice this in my life. And when a waiter comes, a waitress comes, I, I look and I have to really study it because, you know, my eyesight is challenging sometimes, and, and, but I will try to call them by their name. I, I do all of our prescriptions at CVS out, out uh, in West Miramar, and I've learned every pharmacist's name. And I learn it because their picture's up, and I go over and I study the picture, okay, I know that name. And so I don't go over and, and, and just stand there, I, hey, Jim! Hi, Shirley. How you doing? And I took the time to, to memorize all the pharmacist assistance names. There's Crystal. And there's Stephanie, and there's, there's Kathy, who just got married back in October, and she's coming up on her first anniversary here pretty soon. And I've gotten to know them, and I call them by name. And it's really cool, because when I come in, they immediately look up and they smile, and, hi, Mr. Tokar. And we have interaction. And so I always look for a way to compliment them and thank them, even when I go there and the prescription that's supposed to be there isn't there. Instead of going, doo, doo, doo. So, you know, that happens. It's okay. It's all right. So the other day, and there was a, a new guy there. I'd never seen him before. Came over, waited on me. And so I looked over, and I said, okay, here's another opportunity. Didn't have a name tag on. So I said, hey, that is a really cool tie you have, huh? That's a power tie. That tie just exudes authority and confidence. Man, that's a great tie. I love that tie. The guy went, And then he said, 
started telling me the story. You know, I got this tie as a gift. And he started telling me the story of the tie. And pretty soon he goes back to the computer and he's typing up the thing and he says, you know, Mr. Toker, I, I, think, I, have a compu- I, I think I have a coupon for what you're ordering. In fact, I think there's four. We'll see, let's try all four and see which one works the best for you. <laughs> see? I don't know what's happening in the life of that man. What's in, happening in the life of that woman. And I don't know that I'm not the only possible opportunity that they will have that entire day, that entire week of having somebody connect with them in a positive, reaffirming, encouraging way. But to do that, we've got to get out of the tunnel vision that we live in, not noticing that there are other human beings that we're interacting with, and we need to engage them for the glory of Jesus Christ. Notice how the formula ends. That it may benefit those who listen. Now, immediately we can connect the dots and say, well, yeah, the people that we speak to, yeah, they're going to be encouraged by us encouraging them and building their self-esteem and thanking them and, and being appreciative. Yeah, that's going to, but it goes beyond that. Because not only will it impact the person that we're speaking to, but there's always people around who are watching that we don't even know. A while back, another time I was in Publix, and I got in line, and the line started getting longer because right in front of me was a woman who had a bunch of stuff on the belt and was paying for two and three items at a time. Ever been in that situation? You know, so there's like 50 transactions for 50 good, you know, things. And I gotta tell you, I, I stood there and, and immediately the old Pete came up. See, I've not always been this nice Pillsbury Doughboy guy that you guys know. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe the temper that I once struggled with. In fact, when Stella and I first got married, she came to some basketball games that I was playing in, and she said, finally, she said, listen, you got to either give up basketball or you got to get your mouth under control. Because I was mean, man. I would yell at my own team members. I would yell at the other team members. I yelled at the officials. I yelled at people in the stands. <laughs> One time, a guy was heckling me, and I literally threw a basketball at him in the stands. Got ejected from the game. They don't appreciate that kind of behavior. But anyhow, so my natural thing and was to go, can't even believe it. Of all lines, I got this line. And then I started thinking about what we're talking about. Now, apparently, the people in back of me weren't. Because they were uttering, puff, puff. The woman in back of me said, can you believe these people that do that? And I wanted to say, yeah, I can't believe it either. Let's kill her. <laughs> but I didn't. I said, well, she has a job to do. And, you know, I don't think we're all in that much of a hurry, are we? Well, finally, the lady, you know, did her 50 transactions and moved on. And I came up and, and the, the girl, Maria, at the register said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that was painful. And I, and I said, Maria, stop. I said, you did what you were supposed to do. You did your job, and you did your job great. You were patient, and you allowed that woman, we don't know why she had to do all those transactions, but, but you, 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 your employer should be proud to have an employee like you. 
she just beamed. Just beamed. And you know what else happened? I noticed as I left, the lady who was going, came up and she was just as sweet as honey. You know why? Because it benefits those who listen. And our faithfulness to the Lord, our being light, our being that encouraging presence in a dark, harmful, mean world can cause a domino experience where other people see what we did and they know that it was the right thing and so they come to another situation and they do it and the people that watch them do it and it just dominoes throughout society and throughout our world. Light up your world. It's easy. And we have opportunities all day long to do it. Light up your world. Be the light of God with some flesh on it. Let's be part of turning these pictures of angry people into pictures of smiling faces and people who have had their self-esteem restored to them. You may know the story of Sister Helen Rosla and Mark Eklund. Helen was a teacher in a parochial Catholic school and she first met Mark in elementary school when he became one of her students. Well, every teacher knows that in every class there's one student who just won't cooperate. And Mark was that student. He was constantly interrupting class. He was constantly carrying on antics. And he was just a discipline problem from day one. In fact, he talked so much that one day she said, if you say one more thing, I'm going to tape your mouth shut. Well, that's a challenge a disciplinarian cannot ignore. And so it wasn't very long before he was at it again, so she went over to her desk. She took out some masking tape, put two strips of masking tape and an X across his mouth. And she turned and walked up to the front of class, started teaching again. And when she looked back at him, he winked at her and smiled. Said she cracked her up. She came down, took the tape off. Well, she survived the year, and finally the whole class moved on, and she took a breath of relief. Well, a few years later, she was fleeted up to junior high. And you can guess what happened the first day of school. In walks, walks Mark Eklund. And she's like, oh, no, not another year of this. Of course, fortunately, he had matured some over the years, and they actually developed a very loving, mutually respective relationship. But she was saying that year that at one point the class had become really irritated. She said she understood because they had just finished this really long week of these battery of tests, you know, that the students have to take here in Florida. It's the FCAT. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the kids were just tired. They were exhausted. They were stressed out. And they just started nipping at each other and attacking each other. And so she said, all right, students, stop it. She said, everyone put your books away and take out a piece of paper. So everyone took out a piece of paper. And she said, now here's what you're going to do with this paper. You are going to write down, one by one, the name of every student in this classroom. And under the name, you are going to write one thing that you really admire or appreciate about that person. Every person in the classroom. Get after it. So they went busily to work. Well, after the class, she went ahead and collected all those papers. And over the weekend, what she did was take and put the name of each student and every one of those remarks listed under their name. The next week came around, Monday came around, and she had all the, the students sit down, and she passed those out so the students could read them. She said the electricity in the room was amazing. 
She could hear comments like, no way. I didn't know anyone ever thought that about me. Really? And she said, kids were so excited and there was such a buzz and that created such harmony in the classroom that it carried on for weeks and weeks and weeks after that. Well, ultimately, that class moved on too. And ultimately too, Helen got changed to a different school district by the diocese. One day she was coming back home and her parents picked her up at the airport. And on the way home, you know, they started just a little chitter-chatter that you you start once you've been separated for a while and you get back together. And they started talking a little bit. And finally things kind of got uneasy and kind of silent. And she said to her parents, okay, what's going on? And they said, we heard from the Ecklands the other day. She said, really? The Ecklands? Well, did they say anything about Mark? How's Mark doing? They said, well, actually, Helen, he died in Vietnam. And tomorrow's the funeral. And the parents heard that you were going to be here. And it would mean so much to them if you would come to the funeral. Because they knew how much you meant to Mark. She said, of course I'll come. So the next day came and the funeral came. And she said many of his classmates, many of her former students were there. And they were all paying their respects to Mark. She, in fact, was the last one to go by the the casket before they dropped the casket and spread the American flag over it. She said when she walked by the casket and saw Mark, she said she would have given all the masking tape in the world just to hear him speak three more words to her. The memorial service concluded, and after the service, one of the military honor guard came up to her and he said, you're Sister Helen, aren't you? And she said, yes, I am. He said, has anybody talked to you about, about Mark? And she said, no. He said, well, when you go to the reception, make sure you talk to Mark's father. She said, okay, I'll do it. So everyone left, and they went to the farm of one of the other students who had offered to host the reception. And even before she could could get to Mr. Eklund, he came to her. And he said, Sister Helen, he said, this is Mark's wallet. They found this on him in Vietnam. And he said, "I, I thought this might interest you. And he opened the wallet and he pulled out this old, yellowed, well-worn, folded piece of paper. And he began to open it up. And he said, do you have any idea what this is? And immediately she knew what it was. It was that paper that she had given him in junior high that had listed all the positive affirmation of his fellow classmates. And it meant so much to him and so powerful of a resource was it that he carried it for the rest of his life, even to Vietnam. As the other students began to hear about it, they began to, to, to say, hey, yeah, I have my, I still have mine too. It's in my wedding album. Another one said, I framed it and it sits on, on, on my desk in my office. Another guy pulled out his wallet, opened it up, pulled it out and says, I carry it in my wallet too. of just a word of encouragement can change a person's life. It can change their world. And when those words are spoken by a child of Jesus Christ, they not only come with the definition of the words, they come from power from heaven that will bring healing and will bring encouragement and will bring hope to people's lives. Oh, light up your world. Be a wallet stuffer.
be someone who has invested your life in giving people so much positive affirmation that they carry it with them throughout their entire life and they rely on it over and over again to get them through the next dark moment that life brings. Light up your world. Father, we live in this dark world with so many hurting people. And we see increasing evidence of the deep hurt that is inside them as as they lash out because they're living a narcissistic life. And because they're not given, they're not getting. And because they're not getting, they're getting more angry and, and more isolated. God, they need your light. And Jesus, you have commanded us to be that light with some flesh on it. Lord, help every one of us to leave here today with a new purpose for this day. A purpose to build up, not tear down. Help us to, to if we go out to eat, to, to, to look at the, at the waitress, at the waiter, and know their name. Help us to, to find some encouraging thing to say to them. Help us to go through life with those closest to us and those who are on the outer fringes of our life. And God, help us to constantly be aware that we are the light of God in a dark and mean world and that the words of encouragement that we share, you will empower and make a difference in lives. God, help us to be builders and not tear her down. God, make us wallet stuffers for the glory of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.